ghouls, and welcome to Frightening Tales. I'm your host, Justin, the Ghoul Man Redman, president of the K-Ghoul Horror Film Club and investigator for Burgers. I am joined by the man with the 12th degree black belt in Pugitsu, the master flamethrower, and he too is an investigator for Burgers, Tommy. Pew! Pew! How y'all doing tonight? Wouldn't you say it's been an interesting two weeks? Man, that ain't the half of it. I just don't know where to start. I've seen UFOs, the two-week manhunt. I mean, it's just been kind of crazy. And there, and then there's a few ghost stories out there. Oh, Justin, I, I, I just don't know where, where we're going to go with tonight's show because we have so much to talk about. Well, you say we have so much to talk about, but uh, we've, we've got a few subjects. Uh, we will definitely start with the aliens in Mexico. Uh, that, that's an interesting reveal. Yeah, we're going to take a real slice at it, aren't we? <laughs> yes, we are. We're going to take a slice at it. From the memes to the actual studies of it. And are they real? Well, you'll have to listen later on from mine and Tommy's uh, assessment of these crazy little aliens that... Uh, are making the rounds on the internet and the UFO news. Uh, we'll take a look at what UFO Twitter has to say about uh, these beautiful little aliens. Also, I have an article from uh, Coast to Coast about NASA is making oxygen on Mars. No way! They're making oxygen on Mars now? Oh, what's next? They're going to find life on Mars next, aren't they? Well, didn't you see that uh, beautiful footage of that mouse running around? On the surface of Mars. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's that got them people that fuel in that sea. It's in the Tunisian desert. That's why they're, uh, they didn't really leave Earth. They're not on Mars. It's in the African desert. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. Well, we are starting to get a little bit more proof, a little more evidence that there really are extraterrestrials. Um, dude, we're going to have to have a talk about that one, too. Also, NASA has given their report, and they have issued their finding on UFOs and extraterrestrials, so we're going to add that into our aliens. See, I told you, it's been a busy week here to go from aliens to NASA saying, hey, look, uh, we got our finding from last summer, too. So you definitely want to stick around for, for that one. And then we've got a few little ghost stories, uh, mostly the uh, Pew Research Study. Is still piquing my interest about uh, how many Americans claim to have been visited by their dead relative, either be a dream or an actual physical presence. Um, so I'm going to look into that one a little bit more. Let me guess. You had that dream again. You're damn right I had that dream again. Me and my grandfather chilling, hanging out, and doing all kinds of stuff. So, um... That, that survey is definitely very interesting, so I want to explore it a little bit more than what we did in our last Burgers report. Sounds like we have our work cut out for us. That we do, but we also have a very entertaining creature feature tonight. It is so scary that it had to put a warning and a guarantee up front. Let's take a listen to the start of The Screaming Skull. The Screaming Skull is a motion picture that reaches its climax in shocking horror. Its impact is so terrifying that it may have an unforeseen effect. It may kill you. Therefore, its producers feel they must assure free burial services to anyone who dies of fright while seeing the screaming skull. 
kind of creepy, but at the same time, that's pretty cool that a movie's going to warn you that it's so scary that if you die from it, we'll pay for your funeral. That's what I would expect from any horror movie. If you scare me to death, you better take care of it, because uh, I gave you the money to do that, so... uh. Wow, that, that, that's a crazy, crazy warning. I uh, would never thought any horror movie would ever do that. And I hope this movie lives up to that expectation or to what they're creating them themselves there. Wow. I know, I feel that uh, that's kind of one of the reasons why I chose this movie for tonight. Uh, so I'll also have my K-Ghoul Horror Movie of the Week later on. And quite possibly a Burgers Investigation Destination. We'll see how this show unravels. So let's go ahead and get back where we left off on our creature feature, The Screaming Skull. disappointed for a moment. I did not. It's really lovely. Share the rest of the house.
forbidding now, I suppose, empty like this. But it was usually this way. Shortly after Marion and I were married, she removed all the furniture her parents had left her. This is our home, she used to say, and we must choose everything carefully. Well, we didn't get very far before she died. But now that you're here, it's going to be lovely again. I'll get the things out of storage tomorrow. We're all town at the warehouse. Take care of that, too. You have candles? Sure. It'll be twice as romantic. Speaking of being romantic. I got to carry you over the threshold. I love you. I love you. Jenny. I thought life had died out for me. where Mickey keeps his gardening things. Who's Mickey? The gardener. He's kept it up the two years I've been away. All by himself? That's right. Must work awfully hard. Oh, he and Marion would spend hours on end working here in the gardens and up in the greenhouse back there. See, he loved her very much. Sometimes I used to wonder who she was, my wife or Mickey's nursemaid. You know, I don't think he quite believes she's gone. I think he expects her to show up one of these mornings and scold her for neglecting the gardens. You still love her, don't you? No, I'm not jealous. I'm grateful to her. I think to have loved once, really loved, to learn how to love always. Learning it from her, you give again to me. I wish there was some way to think. Who's that? I don't know. They're driving around the back. Come on. Come on along. Eric! I see Eric. Uh -huh. Please stop by to meet your new wife. Oh, Eric, this is <laughs> wonderful surprise. It's been a long time. It has. Reverend. Good to see you, Eric. Jenny, this is Mrs. Snow. I'm very happy to meet you. Jenny, this is a lovely surprise. And the Reverend Mr. Snow. Hello, my dear. Oh, she's sweet, Eric. I know. I happen to be going into town. I ran into Mr. Maurer. He told me you were getting back today. And we thought we'd just drop by and bring you something for your dinner. Oh, nice. And it'll save you all the bother of shopping while you're trying to get settled. Then why don't you stay for dinner? Oh, no, not tonight. Oh, no, no, we wouldn't think of that. Oh, now, please say yes. I'd like for you to. It would be like old times. All right, on the condition that I do the cooking. You don't have to. You know, I know that, but I'd love to. Well, there's Mickey. Excuse me, honey. Mickey! Ah, poor Mickey. He keeps this place up like a shrine. Eric told me how he loved Marion. 
Mickey's father was a gardener here when Marion's mother was alive. Mickey and Marion grew up together here. Jenny, this is Mickey. How do you do, Mickey? I hope we'll be good friends. Well, Mickey. Thank you, Mickey. Well, shall we all go inside? It's a good idea. Mickey, remember you promised me some of those rose cuttings. Nice seeing you again, Mickey. I'm going to have to get you down to the barber shop one day very soon. Excuse us, Mickey. Justin, the ghoul man, Redmond, and I am joined by Tommy. And all tonight, we are talking about all the frightening stuff that has happened in the last two weeks, or at least the things that we're the most excited about. Dude, I'm going to have to cut you off on that one. The way you started off this segment with that music, it's carnival time. Why, dude? Well, you know, it is kind of carnival time around here. I, I, I'm... For some reason, when I called this show, it's Alien Time, I, it just, that's the song that popped up in my head. So if I was able to write a parody, it'd be, it's Alien Times. Wow, dude, <laughs> that's classic. And a nice little nod to Louisiana at the same time and, and carnival season Mardi Gras. Man, I didn't peg you for being a uh, quite a fan of Mardi Gras. I like the season, I just... I like marching in the parades. I just don't like going to the parades. Too many people, too many traffic. Uh, that's a story for another day and a different kind of show. So let's not get too caught up with it. But it really is alien time here on Frightening Tales. Uh, let's go ahead and break down the story of our favorite aliens that have come out of nowhere. Left field. I mean, I knew we were making headway on the UAP front, right? That we certainly have. All those multiple Congress hearings and you got the whistleblowers. I know you hate that term. But we're just going to use it for the moment. But they're coming out and showing all the, the UAP and UFOs. There was bound to be some kind of aliens to come out of the scene and just kind of like, Hey, look, we can put a face 
to those UFOs or those UAPs. Yeah, that's the thing that I'm looking at. Uh, th this is a great story, and it's coming from Mexico. Uh, apparently Mexico is doing the same thing the United States Congress is doing. Well, the Mexican Congress is doing the same thing as the United States Congress. And that's they're holding congressional hearings on the UFO phenomenon. So we're bound and determined to, um, get to the bottom of the UFO mystery and start, um, and start getting somewhere on that. Now, there is grumblings that uh, the Pentagon is going to absolutely smash any kind of resolution the U.S. Senate might approve or try to go for. So, always take this with a grain of salt. If the government's finally going to admit it, they're not actually going to admit it. Which we'll explain a little bit more when we get to the NASA report on the UFO. So, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I want to talk about these aliens because... Um, I, I just don't know what to make of them. It, 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 it's weird. They, they don't look like anything that we've ever seen, despite what they're saying. So about two weeks ago, a Mexican ufologist and journalist, Jamie Musan, he was in Mexico City to testify before the Mexican Congress about the UFO and UAP. So as they're, I guess, as they were like, well, you know, I, I saw this footage and look, here's my camera footage. Jamie puts his hand up or says, Congressman, guess what? I have proof that there are aliens. Now, I don't know if this is actually what Musan said, but this is about as close of a creative liberty I'm going to take. He goes, I have proof. Out wheels two boxes encased in crystal are these little aliens. Yeah, when I first saw those aliens, I think I thought like everybody else that grew up in the 80s. That looks like E.T. That looks like someone got their hand on an E.T. prop and, you know, it, it's disintegrating before your very eyes. It's made to look old. Well, that's what Jamie is saying is that these aliens are roughly a thousand years old and uh, they were found in a Peruvian cave. Man, I keep saying this over and over again. There's something going on down in South America. You got gold miners pretending to be aliens, and then you got aliens walking along the river. I mean, there's something going on down there in South America. I don't know if that is a very elaborate hoax network going on, but something really weird going on. I have to agree with you there on that one, Tommy. It's kind of uh, interesting to see that uh, these alien stories are really coming out of uh, down in South America, whereas up here in North America, we're just more worried about what we've seen on radar and tracking versus actually talking to people who've been abducted. So let's get a little bit more into our alien friends here. So I've described them as looking like E.T., and they're not very tall. They're not very big to begin with. Uh, we'll go a little bit more later into that one when we talk about their uh, their x-ray and their CAT scan. But let's continue building their story. So when the aliens were revealed, uh, the memes couldn't be helped. I mean, the memes just came out of nowhere. Twitter blew up with them. Everybody and their mom created one. Babylon B even did theirs. Uh, but the best one that I've seen was as if uh, the aliens were not really aliens, but cake. 
Oh, are we talking like nailed it cake? Are we talking like is it cake cake? I think you've been spending a little bit too much time on Netflix there, Tommy. Uh, but what would you guess? Oh, man. I would have to go with nailed it because those things don't look very good at all. I mean, come on. If they're really cake, that's a bad looking cake. And that's like something I would see on nailed it. But also, if you were trying to pick out which one was the cake and is it cake or which one's the real thing, I would pick this one every time. Like, that is definitely cake. Look at it. It's crumbly. It's got a weird shaped face. I mean, come on. It is just absolutely crazy. That looks like cake. And that's why I really find that meme hilarious because it does look like cake. Um, me personally, I think that would be uh, too advanced for the people that are on Nailed It because Nailed It goes out and finds the worst bakers out there. Uh, they can't cook, they can't bake, they can't even barely shape, despite being an artist. But when it comes to cake, they're uh, they're horrendous. This would be something I would expect on, as you said, is it cake? Uh, the decoys would have to be absolutely um, crazy to be able to pick this one out. So let's let's move on from the cake of the aliens, because obviously they they. They don't look real. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. They don't look real at all. And the fact that uh, Jamie Musson is going all crazy on it and has even decided that he is going to uh, take these uh, aliens and have them x-rayed by a doctor. All right, all right. We got to point out something here first. All this is going on in Mexico, right? Yes. Okay. So you got the UFOologist. He is dead set on proving that these aliens are real. That we are. Okay. So he takes them to a doctor, and they're going to get x-rayed and CAT scanned, correct? That is correct. How much did he pay the doctor? I knew that's where you were going. I mean, come on. Everything's viable in Mexico. I mean, it just seems to be part of it. You know, slip a little bit of dollar, and then the doctor is going to tell us exactly what. All right, Tommy, I, I got the answer to you. So it may not be that he was bribed or paid, but the doctor who conducted the study is also a UFOologist, ain't it? That's right. UFOologist Dr. Jose Zalce Benitez, who serves as the director of the Health Sciences Research Institute of the Secretary of the Navy. Now we know why there's acronyms. Oh, man, that was a mouthful, dude. Can you say that again five times fast? Yeah, the Health Sciences Research Institute of the Secretary of the Navy. Well, that was pretty darn good, dude. Secretary of the Navy has his own Health Sciences Research Institute. Dude, talk about having government employees for everything. Let me tell you what Benita says. Okay, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll let you say what he said. Benita said it could not have been the union of a skull of another species attached to this body because the res residues of the manipulation of that skull would be seen. The engravings, the fractures, the unions, and here they are not observed. We are once again faced with a body that, if it had been modified post-mortem, would have a series of alterations that would be visible in these studies. And not having found any of these post-mortem characteristics, we are determined that it is an organism that was alive, was intact, 
and was biological and was in gestation. What do you mean, gestation? Apparently they found some eggs in the belly of it. No, they found eggs inside the cake. Yes, they found eggs inside the cake. Oh, come on. That is awesome. Are they sure it wasn't a face hugger? Dude, if that thing looked even close to a face hugger, maybe that's how they tricked you into giving up your face. Was that, oh, look, it's so cute. Whoop! Right there in your face. Dude, your, your imagination is getting a little wild. But anyway, well, I'm not too certain they think it's eggs. Well, that's a relief because uh, unhatched fossilized eggs... Maybe they're just waiting for the right moment. Well, they said the scans couldn't confirm the theory that the curious objects in the abdomen are eggs of some kind, and a closer look at the metallic piece in the chest found no discernible reason for its presence. Apparently, it's not responsible for holding the remains together. This metal could have a task in that specific area, Benitez said, but no, it cannot unite the entire body. The findings from the test ultimately led Musan to dismiss his critics and to confidently declare that Clara is a complete organic being. Oh, she's an organic being, all right, because cake is all organic. Eggs, flour, hey, <laughs> you get my point? Well, I do, dude. Man, this. so the alien autopsy performed by a UFOologist doctor, and they say the aliens are real? Something smells fishy, and UFO Twitter agrees. They do not think that any of these aliens are real. They think it's an elaborate hoax. So let's break down. If it's not metal used to hold it together, if it's not uh, a combination of things put together like that mermaid skeleton years ago turned out to be, then what is it? It's cake. You can make it all in one piece right then and there. Well, if you take a look at these doctors and they hold these aliens as they scan it and put it in, that's a pretty sturdy piece of cake because uh, <laughs> he was able to hold it without a single piece falling off. Well, okay, it doesn't have to be cake. It could be plaster. It could be all kinds of things made into one giant mold. We, we've watched enough shows on Sci-Fi Channel about makeup and props and stuff. That's just what it is. I think it's an elaborate prop. If it's not Kate. Well, I think we've talked enough about these aliens. Let's go ahead and get back to our creature feature, the Screaming Skull. When we come back, NASA's report on the UFOs. No, man, no. Send them away. Huh? No, <laughs> Oh, she's so very nice, Eric. Jenny? Yes. Isn't she wonderful? <laughs> yes, she's not at all like Marion, and I think that's for the best. You know, so many men, when they lose a wife, they try so hard to deny the loss they marry someone exactly like the first wife. It hardly seems fair using the living to bring back the dead, does it? No, I suppose it doesn't. We make a prison for ourselves out of the past, at least our sentimental wished-for pasts. Mrs. Snow. Yes, dear. There's something I must tell you and the Reverend. Well, of course, Eric. What is it? You see, Jenny has not had a very happy past. Oh? And talking about it or about something that might strongly remind her of it, she's very impressionable. Is there something wrong, Eric? No, not really. You see, 
She lost her parents many years ago in a very tragic way. And talking about unhappy past only, she's very impressionable. See, I want her to be happy, Mrs. Snow. Of course you do, and so do we all. Now, how did she lose them? Well, look, I'm not prying, dear. It's just that Mr. Snow and I can help better if we know something about it. They drowned in an accident. Jenny saw it all. Who's Mr. Maurer? Mr. Maurer? Why, he's a lawyer in town. I thought no one knew we were coming. You said you heard from Mr. Maurer? Why, well, Eric wrote him. He takes care of the estate or what's left of it. Oh, that's right. Eric has to see him tomorrow. Well, Eric's co-executor of the estate, along with Mr. Maurer. You see, Marion's death was so sudden that, well, all that was left to Eric was the house and these grounds. Mr. Maurer told me that Eric had found someone very sweet and very kind, and with whom he was very much in love. He didn't say enough. How did Marion die? Didn't Eric tell you? I think the subject's rather painful to him. I'd like to make him talk about it. Would you mind telling me? I'd like to know. It was a rainy day. She and Mickey had been working up there in the greenhouse. She left him to go back to the house for a few minutes. The way we pieced it together after the accident is that while she was coming down this path, Apparently, it began to rain very hard. She must have run along here. We don't know, of course, what happened then. Perhaps she slipped on a leaf. Base of her skull was smashed. It was thought that she hit her head on the edge of the cement wall where we're sitting. And she fell in there. She died in the water. That's where Eric found her ten minutes later. Marion. You said... You said, Mickey, wait here. I'm going down to the house for just a minute. Wait here, Mickey, you said. And then you went away in the rain. And you didn't come back to play. And don't forget that you and Eric are coming for lunch day after tomorrow. We'll do better than that. We'll come to church on Sunday as well. Oh, getting Eric to church is like moving a mountain. He'll come. Come along, my dear. It's getting late. Eric, thank you very much for bringing Jenny into our lives. Thank you for the dinner. It's a pleasure. Good night. Good night. Good night. Edward, did you know that Jenny's very wealthy? Oh, yes. Mr. Ma told me in town today. Well, she's not at all like Marion. You know, she's so gentle and timid as if... as if she were afraid of something. I knew you'd like my friends, dear. Hey, what's this? Huh? Just happy, that's all. Come. So happy. Come on. 
Beast in the jungle. It's all about a man who waited all of his life for something great, wonderful to happen to him. He had only one good friend. It's a woman whom he confided. And she died. At her grave, he suddenly realized that she was the great and wonderful thing that he'd waited for all of his life. But it was too late then. His memories, like beast in the jungle, rise up out of the past, overwhelm him. Oh, poor fellow. He doesn't know what he missed. Control to Major Tom. 
ground control to Major Tom. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. Ground control to Major Tom. Seven. Commencing countdown engines on Welcome back to Frightening Tales. I'm your host, Justin, the ghoul man, Redman, and I'm joined by Tommy. Tonight, it's about the aliens. It's all about UFOs. And we even got NASA's latest report that we're about to discuss now on what they decry as the definitive answer to UFOs. So we're going to take NASA's uh, study and NASA's answer at face value, are we not? Well, I know we need to set some guidelines on this. As someone who has worked with NASA, why not for NASA? Well, I was kind of freelance. I was pulling data wire for the Orion Project. And uh, so I worked with NASA. I wasn't employed by NASA, so worked with NASA, not for NASA. Gotcha, gotcha. Good distinction. Now, where, where was this at? Now, this is in a little place called New Orleans East. Uh, it's the Michoud Assembly Facility. This is where they built the external tank for the space shuttle. So for everybody who says, we don't go to space, man, that's a lot of work to keep that hoax dead or to keep that hoax alive. Because there's a lot of people that are there. There's a lot of people that have to go through some uh, pretty extensive security check. I had to go back to every address I ever lived at. I had to give every employer I had, even with the ones that I don't like, and I had to expect them to fill out all the paperwork. You talk about having to uh, to get some work done just to be able to go pull a, uh, some data wire for a rocket that uh, doesn't exist. Come on, people. The moon landing was real. Y'all out there trying to debunk it. I've been with NASA. I've been to all the places there. Um... And the best person that you really want to watch, so we don't spend a whole lot of time debunking the moon landing, is Adam Ruins Everything. Go watch what he did on the uh, the moon landing, and you will definitely know that it was not filmed by Stanley Kubrick. Now, let's get into NASA's report on their UFO study group. Now, they started this study last summer. And it was for the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Independent Study Team, which was comprised of 16 specialists from the worlds of science, technology, data, artificial intelligence, space exploration, aerospace safety, media, and commercial innovation. This group is separate and different from the Pentagon's All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or ARO. Man. These acronyms are getting crazy. No one's ever going to remember All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. I know you're still having to read it just to remember Arrow. Well, Arrow did put up their website. Oh, I know, I know. I, I went and checked it out when the debrief was talking about it. And I do find it funny that uh, they give you all these little clips, but not really a whole lot. And then there's no way to report a sighting yet. It's still under development. Let's, let's, let's stick to our subject of this NASA report. So, Coast to Coast says that undoubtedly this, is, this report is a disappointment to UFO enthusiasts 
Oh, come on. The UFO enthusiasts didn't see this coming. I know, right? I mean, NASA is not going to admit that there's extraterrestrials. Now, the press conference that they held to say all this, to say that their UFO report finds no evidence that UAP have extraterrestrial origins, they took them 55 minutes to say that. Man, I'm glad you watched it. Because I certainly wouldn't have that, that, that. It's too long to sit there and listen to a bunch of bullpents. Well, yeah, they were right. It was a bunch of bullpents. A lot of uh, study this, study that. Um, it's great material to go to sleep to, I'll tell you that. Because it is boring. It'll put you fast to sleep. So we're going to take a look through the, the, the report itself. Uh, it goes through and gives you some... Uh, the names of certain people who are involved with it. None of them that I recognize, I probably would never recognize that because there's just too many experts in the field of experts. The only name I recognized was Captain Scott Kelly, uh, NASA astronaut, retired from the Navy. Uh, he, he's about the only name on there that I recognize. And I'm not too certain I would take his, um, his expertise on the subject. Um, it has its own executive summary that says, hey, this is what the mission is, blah, blah, blah. It lists some ways that they uh, looked around and just used whatever they had on hand, basically, to make their observations. None of them admitted to going to look at any of the so-called crash material that we have, because then they would just have to acknowledge that, um, that, 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 that it exists. Uh, they looked at what types of scientific data currently collected and held by nonprofit and companies should be synthesized and analyzed to potentially shed light on the nature. So basically, they took a lot of government cover up, a lot of government uh, funded documents, and all to say this. At present, the detection of the UAP is often serendipitous, captured by sensors that were not designed or calibrated for this purpose and which lack comprehensive metadata, coupled with incomplete data archiving and curation. This means that the origin of numerous UAP remain uncertain. The importance of detecting UAP with multiple well-calibrated sensors is thus paramount. So basically what NASA said is that their report, their findings, have no way of determining whether or not UAPs or UFOs are of extraterrestrial origins. Why? Boy, do I smell a smelly answer coming up now. Yes, they said that the sensors and the way we collect data were not designed to determine or be able to uh, correctly assess UFOs or extraterrestrial origin of UFOs and UAPs. So basically what they're saying is that, wow, all our cover-up, all our stories, no aliens. Yeah, a little more eloquently than that. They use words like serendipitous and sensors, and that it's paramount that we get sensors and uh, create equipment to properly detect and to properly uh, catalog all said events. So I don't think Arrow's website is going to be enough. Yeah, I don't think so either. What I smell is that NASA wasted a lot of money, as usual, on a study 
That proved absolutely nothing except that UFO people are right. NASA's not going to admit to an alien problem here in the U.S. Unlike Mexico, of course. Unlike Mexico. Now let's get back to our creature feature, the Screaming Skull, here on Frightening Tales. I don't think Mickey looks for her in the pond. Jenny, stop it. I can't help it, Harry. That bad feeling's come back. I forbid you to talk about it. She looked like that, Eric. My mother looked like that. Jenny, Jenny. I can't help it, Eric. Darling, you're just talking yourself into those same old fears. I've got to talk about it, Eric. I have to talk about it. I forbid you to talk about it now. Just that with you beside me, I'm alive again. I don't want to be sick anymore. Honey, look. Now, you mustn't go on thinking like this. Besides, how could a very poorly done self-portrait upset you so much? I know it's only my own fear. It's my own guilt that I can't get away from. Eric, I'm sorry. Well, I want you to listen to me. And I want you to believe me. Now, you were sick once, yes, but you were cured. Mickey caused this. You may as well know. He does look for Marion night after night down by that pond. And he probably comes here afterwards. I'm going to speak to Mickey in the morning. Now, don't you see? Now, simply, it's all explained away. But if I also heard a scream, Eric, before when I went to the hospital, I was hearing things. I'm hearing them again. What did you hear? It was a high, strange scream. High, strange scream. Like a peacock's cry? What's that sound like? Come here. bothered with any of Mickey's nightly visits anymore. I've forbidden him to come into the house. I was just nervous last night. I wish you wouldn't take it out on Mickey. Now, he's a child. He must be disciplined. I'd like him to feel I'm his friend. Why don't you do some gardening with him while I'm in town? If he sees you're interested, you win him over quickly enough. Wait a minute. Staples mostly. Are you sure you don't want to come in with me? You've got more done without me. Got to see about the lights, the phone, the bank. 
And the warehouse people about that furniture, you know, that cop's just about broken my back. Uh, don't forget to see Mr. Mauer. I have to see him this evening. It's a bore, but I'll have to see him. Will you be home in time for dinner? I'll wait for you. Now, if I'm not, don't you worry, darling. Getting out of Mauer's clutches sometimes requires an act of God. I love you. and warm. When I was a little girl, I used to want to be a caterpillar. So I was a very little girl. There you go. Marion must have loved her gardens. We'll keep them lovely for her always. You know what I'd like to do, Mickey? I'd like to pick some of the nicest flowers and take them to her. Would you like that? Yes. Eric told me she was near here. Would you show me where? It was a great loss to all of you, Mickey. She cries. Cries? In the night. Dead people don't cry, Mickey. I heard her. Heard her?
I expect she's gone. She cries. She cries in the night. I think he expects her to show up one of these mornings. She died in the water. The base of her skull was smashed. She didn't want to die. She died in the water. I am your host, Justin, the Ghoul Man Redman, and I'm joined by Tommy. Tonight we've been talking about UFOs, aliens, and NASA's report saying that, oh, there are no aliens, and the UFOs that you're seeing are man-made, and our sensors and the way we collect data is not intended to determine or is not capable of determining whether or not those are of extraterrestrial origins. That's why they look like Tic Tacs. That basically sums it up, dude. <laughs> I couldn't think of that myself. Nah, I took that break from uh, while we watched the Screaming Skull to uh, for me to come up with that response. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little delayed response on getting uh, what we want to say, but that's basically what NASA report says. That hey, they're not UFOs, but we can't rule it out either. We can't say it with definitive proof. They're not acting all sciencey and all with that answer, though. You have to admit. Yeah, I have to admit that's not a very scientific answer myself. We did talk about the Mexican aliens and what we thought on there, and how we're um, we're pretty certain that uh, it, those are not real either. So let's go ahead and move away from our aliens and get to one of the stories that I've been itching to read ever since we talked about it in a Burgers report. A couple weeks ago, the survey from the Pew Research that says that over half Americans believe they were visited by a dead relative. Now, for some reason, that story kind of uh, is sticking to me a little bit more, mostly because I had that dream again. I don't know if it was spawned by this survey or not, but every once in a while, I have this crazy dream where I'm with my grandfather. Either I'm driving with him and we're going somewhere I'm one of the more vivid ones. We're like on top of a double-decker bus and we're touring someplace and we're just sitting there having a conversation. That's usually the gist whenever I have a visit from my grandfather. Um, whenever it's my grandmother that visits, it's generally uh, kind of like a disappointment thing. Like when my uncles and my dad were all arguing after both my grandparents passed away. And I could see the dream was, or the visit was, that my grandmother died, or had, you know, died after my grandfather, or was she was still alive after my grandfather passed away. And to see that her children were squabbling over lamps, that she got up out of her chair and really just chewed them out, berated them for. Them. Now, before my grandmother passed away, 
she'd gone five years without being able to say anything or she could barely speak. It was, it was really tough to see that. Uh, I forgot exactly what she had, but that would have been a moment in time to see that she hadn't spoken five years to get up and berate her children for arguing over a pair of lamps. This is how bad the situation got. There was two lamps that were a pair. They were imagined. Ugly as all get out. One uncle wanted the lamps. The other uncle had to absolutely have the other lamp. That's a pair. It's a set. Why would you separate them? But that's what they argued about. Now, this most recent dream of my grandfather, we were just hanging out in his old house, which is now my aunt's. Uh, it was My aunt was there too, but my aunt's still alive. So that, that's just how weird this dream really, really gets, right? And we were just hanging out until, and we talked about everything, life in general. I just wish that some way I could have like got my kids into the dream for him to see my kids. But I know he, he, he could see them and he's got what he's going on. So this survey conducted by the Pew Research says over half of Americans believe they were visited by a dead relative. Pew Research spoke to about 5,079 American adults over the course of a week this past spring. Now, I'm assuming if they, they spoke to them, it's probably some kind of survey or some kind of interview. And that's what I see here. The survey was, in the past 12 months, have they felt the presence of a family member who is dead, told dead family members about events in their life, or had dead family members communicate with them? So that was their, 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 uh, that was the survey. Broke it down to Protestant, mainline, historically black, Catholic, religious, unaffiliated, religious commitment, high, medium, low. I mean, you, you get the gist of how, uh, how, how the sample size looks. So what we find here is that 57% of Catholics said they were visited by a dead relative in a dream, while 39% said in some other form, and while another 66% of those kind of said a combination of a net dream or other form. Now, when you look at the Protestants, it's 45% in a dream, 27% in any other form. Historically black, though, that is absolutely amazing, which is not surprising with how superstitious the, the, the this community is. 60% said they were visited by a dead relative in a dream, 34% in any other form, with 67% net dream or other form. Uh, it was more women than men admitted to seeing a dead relative. So that puts me into a very low category as far as, um, as far as they would put, now where would they put me in this one? Uh, religiously unaffiliated. That would swear you'd put me 41% in a dream, 29% in any other form, 48% net dream or other form. So not bad for being religiously unaffiliated. Now, what surprises me is that they actually got atheists in this category, 25%. Um, I, I wouldn't know how an atheist would think on that, would you, Tommy? Yeah, I don't know how an atheist would uh, believe in spirits, because uh, you would have to believe in some something, right? I, I just find it hard that an atheist would believe in ghosts. I guess we need to get ourselves an atheist and uh, ask him that question. And I love this one group, nothing in particular. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the same as religiously unaffiliated? 
but I still find that uh, that one intriguing. So I'm gonna set it up as a poll. Were you visited by a dead relative? Would you admit it? Was it a dream or was it some other kind of way? Well, we were actually, we're just gonna keep the poll question simple. Were you visited by a dead relative? Answer on our poll on this week's episode of Frightening Tales. So let's get back to the Screaming Skull.
Jenny. 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 Honey. Honey. It's all right, darling. It's all right. I'm right here. I'm right here. Just lie back. That's right. Just lie back. Marion cries at night. Why, that childish, stupid... Don't blame him. We both hear the peacocks. He, out of his love for Marion, wishes the cry to be from her. I, out of my sickness... Now, darling, we've been all through that nonsense last night. Don't you see? I've never imagined seeing these things before. Just stand there and see it. Have it turn out to be nothing. Eric? I want you to call Dr. Rand tomorrow in New York. I want you to take me back. No, Jenny. Now, it may sound selfish, but don't you see having you to love? I'm happy, too. I don't want to lose that. Now, in the morning, Mr. Snow will be here, and we'll tell him. He's very comforting. And I think he'll agree with me. About what? I think it's Mickey. You see, he hated me from the first. Marion was his friend, and when I married her, he thought I was taking her away from him. And now that she's dead, taken away from him forever, I suppose in that childish mind of his, I'm responsible for that. And now, because you're my wife, and in Marion's house, he hates you, too. I don't think Mickey's responsible. He's not quick enough or clever enough. And who? Myself. It's all in my own mind. We do need somebody else, darling. We need somebody outside of the confusions of our love for each other. Now, the Reverend Snow will be here in the morning. Who's in there? Well, this much is real anyway. Look here, Jenny. You see, this is how you gouged your hand. You say you threw the skull down here where Eric is looking? Yes. Did you find anything, Eric? Nothing yet. Surely, Jenny, you must agree with me that anything as fragile as a skull would have been smashed to bits down there. And Eric has found nothing. And to assume that the skull would move of its own all the way from there to the driveway door. Now, Jenny, there's no reason for that. Don't you see, I agree with you. Did Eric tell you I spent over a year in a sanitarium? Oh, Eric told Mrs. Snow that you were very impressionable, but that's all. I know lots of people needing a rest go to sanitariums. This wasn't quite that kind of sanitarium. You see, I grew up loving my father and hating my mother. 
Well, she never knew it. Something I kept to myself. She was very beautiful. Very gay, like her. Very much. And I knew she resented that I was not more like her. I used to lie awake at night and wish she were dead. Well, that isn't very unusual. I understand many children go through such a period. I was no longer a child. One day, I got my wish. They were both drowned. I could still hear her scream. I was all alone on the little beach. And all I could see was the overturned boat on the top of the waves. And I kept trying to reach them. And the waves kept throwing me back. And then... I could hear her cries no more. And then hours later, the men came and searched for the bodies. They were never found. That's when this bad feeling started, this feeling that if I'd really wanted to, I could have saved them, but I didn't. That I really killed them. No, Jenny. You tried. You tried your very best. I did. But thinking and begging and praying couldn't make this feeling go away. That's when they took me to the hospital. They told me I was cured. They told me I was cured. Mickey! You go on. I'll be there in time for lunch. Well, where do you think he's gone off to, Eric? Who knows about Mickey? He might be hiding. Have you looked at Marion's grave? Listening to Frightening Tales. I am your host, Justin, the Ghoul Man Redman. And tonight, it's been about aliens. It's been about NASA saying there are no aliens. We just talked about uh, the Pew Research poll that says half Americans admit to being visited by a dead relative. I find that intriguing as well because I tend to have dreams about my dead relatives. Maybe that's that Viking blood in you coming out. You're always talking about your ancestors. I think it's a little bit more than my Viking blood, because down here in the South, we love our grandparents. We love our ancestors and our relatives. And, you know, I don't 
it's not just a southern thing. We we, we like tracking and all, all this stuff. And it, it is intriguing considering that um, I was able to trace my grandfather's side here to this country for nine. It makes me like ninth generation American. So that's pretty cool that uh, to know what ancestors and to know I had an ancestor fight in the American Revolution. So that's pretty cool. You know, anytime I ever ask my grandfather what we are, he just goes, Tommy, you're American. That's it. American. There was no discussion on it. No, no looking what my ancestors came from. We just looked at our ancestors and said, American. So we're going to go ahead and get on to our next story, which we're going to be looking at a ghost bike. <laughs> Oh, this one's coming to us from coast to coast. An odd piece of footage from England shows a riderless bicycle roll across the street, and some suspect that it's propelled by a ghost. Though no, not everyone is convinced the incident was paranormal in nature. The spooky scene was captured last week by a security camera overlooking a medieval road in the city of York, in the city of York known as Shambles which is now a popular marketplace. So when you watch the video, this bike just kind of casually rolls about. There's no one on it. There's no one even in sight. The only way that this thing is seen is via that security camera footage. Now, I do find stuff like this fun and amazing. Um, there are ways that you can make this bike roll on its own. Uh, now that you've got uh, motorized bikes, yeah, I've seen a few people get busted in that Tour de France and how they get to uh, use the electric motor on that bike so they don't have to pedal all the way. If it's not steroids or performance enhancing drugs, it's electric motors. Now, if you strapped a remote to that thing, that would be pretty cool. And there you go. Guide it right along the street, just like that. Now, I think if it's a clever prank, or it would have been done while there's people around. I mean, of course, that could be the test run to see if it worked. But wouldn't there be another story because it worked, where this bike scared off people? That would be my, uh, if it was a hoax, that would be it. I would definitely do it where it could be seen. So that way there would be a max amount of uh, panic if he did that in a crowded area. Because that looked like it had the potential to be really crowded. That's when I would do it. Yeah, you're right about that. I would definitely do that in a crowded time. Test in the evening. And then wait. Oh, it worked. <laughs> Next morning, here it comes. You getting your morning coffee? Hey, oh, whoa, look. There goes that ghost bike. Ah! That would be it. While we're on the subject of ghosts and ghost sightings, there's a time when you see an article and you just know that this article is a public service announcement. This is something about a product launch that uh, they persuaded someone to turn into a story to announce that, hey, we have opened up something new or if we have a new product. Best example is to look at the new iPhone. How many uh, news shows are out there just in love with the iPhone and talking about it, right? That's a prime example of one that is a uh, PSA. So how ghost stop 
this store got an article inside Coast to Coast to make it seem like uh, an actual news piece. And that ABC actually went out and filmed this for their opening a physical store in Virginia. Ghost Stop I've been to several times on the website. They have got some ghost equipment that I would love to have uh, in, um, in, in our burgers investigation kits. Definitely needed to get some more of that stuff. The only problem is, like any organization, we are low on funds, right? Oh, low on funds is something uh, I'm very familiar with. I uh, just don't know what. But uh, I looked at their equipment, too. I, I love their logo. That's pretty cool. You kind of take a, a GameStop, but you put a ghost behind it, and you put a cute little Casper-like Ghostbuster ghost on it, and there you go. But I just love how Coast to Coast... Tim Banal, he's a decent writer. I give him that. He, he can lure you in with him. His lead, a rather unique business, has opened its doors in a Virginia community. A shop that specifically sells ghost hunting equipment. The store dubbed Ghost Stop is reportedly the brainchild of paranormal researcher Sean Porter, who previously operated a similar enterprise in Florida prior to moving the operation to the community of Lynchburg this year. In addition to the standard devices used by those seeking spirits, such as EMF meters and night vision cameras, the shop also sells equipment that seasonal investigator personally designed for an array of popular ghost hunting TV programs. I've seen some of that stuff, and I wonder if that's the same one that's related to the, uh, the St. Augustine ghost hunt store that we've got our EMF from, or our ghost box from. Probably just kind of separated or just kind of worked. I, I, let's not dig too deep into that. I don't want to make any speculation here. Like I said, I've looked at their stuff and their equipment. And some of the person or some of the one things I find funny is that teddy bear cam. You know, the one that you get from the nanny cam where you set the teddy bear to record what's going on in your house to see if the nanny's abusing your children or something to that effect. Well, they make one of those that you could just set out to record ghost sightings. Now, I do think that would be pretty uh, funny. Uh, to set that up and the other equipments like uh, the portals where you can get better uh, ghosts talking to you or better uh, languages and things like that to um, pick out different words it, it, it's kind of weird technology and whether or not I really believe it works like our little ghost box uses radio waves so I, I halfway expected that it like it sweep and it like picks a word from one radio station and put another one so the, there's some flaws in a lot of the technology which we'll have to explore later on but i just kind of find that uh ghost stops physical store now i knew about ghost stop moving to a physical location about three months ago it was all over their website and they just they blogged about it they moved it so Pretty cool that Coast to Coast actually got in on it. Um, but this is what uh, he says. Beyond providing people with the means to possibly to get to the bottom of paranormal activity unfolding in their home, Porter envisions Ghost Stop as something of a command center for all the various research groups seeking spirits across the globe. The end goal here is to gather information from all these teams that are doing investigations all around the world and to collect that here into one place which he has dubbed Ghost Headquarters. The shop plans to hold a grand opening gala earlier next month, and tours of Lynchburg purportedly haunted locations are also in the works. Now there's a guy that is an entrepreneur. Also opened up a store to sell ghost equipment and go on ghost tours to test said equipment. Dude, I see that bear that you were talking about right there in the background behind Mr. Porter. That's pretty... I do like the store. 
So I guess when we go up to Virginia, we're going to make a physical stop. Yeah, but let me just say, we need to get funds first. Yeah, but donate, donate, donate. <laughs> we'll figure out the donation parts later. Let's get back to our creature feature here on Frightening Tales. Ricky. Ricky. Mickey! 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 Eric, did you find him? No. Where's Jenny? She's with Mrs. Snow on the patio. Eric, I think I should tell you that Jenny has confided in me about the sanitarium. Oh. Does your wife know? I told her Jenny was impressionable, but not that. I haven't said a word to her. Mr. Snow, you can do both Jenny and me a great favor by forgetting she ever told you that. But, Eric, if it helps explain... It explains nothing. If I were you, Eric, I'd take her away. If she's so impressionable and that house frightens her so much, why subject her to it? Look, I can't do a thing like that. It'd be the worst thing for her. Mr. Snow, it would be admitting she was sick again. I want her to be happy. We'll stay here. Perhaps you know best, Eric. See, I've got a simple and old-fashioned piece of philosophy. The only cure for her fear is to teach her she's loved. I mean, really loved. And I love her so much. God bless you for that, Eric. She's a very fortunate woman having someone like you to care for her. Good night, Sue. Oh, Jenny, Jenny. I'm sorry. Darling, you've got to believe it will not happen again. Ever. Mickey! Mickey! Eric! that skull. Stop it. It wasn't his fault. Where did you get it? Leave him alone. I'll take care of this, Jenny. Now, I know you don't like me, Mickey. I know you do anything to get us to leave here. This idiotic attempt to scare us as if we were children. It was you, wasn't it? Wasn't it? No, not me. Not me. Uh, get out of here. Get out of here. Oh. Apologize to him. You know as well as I do, it's not his fault. It's all in my own mind. Jenny, I'm going to do something. And you're going to help me do it. What's that? That portrait upstairs. It reminds me of your mother. Yes. You were fine until you saw it. Now it has you all preoccupied with memories of the past. We're going to burn it. Precious to you, Eric. The picture means nothing to me. I want you to be happy. We can't be until this fear is out of our lives. Eric. 
All right, Jenny. Go on, Jenny. stand overnight, and the brush in these hills is a regular tinderbox. You want to help me? Are oh, you feeling better? It's as if I destroyed her with my own hands. She'll come back, and she'll come back. Darling, if you go on talking that way, you destroy the whole purpose. Now, the thing is out of the house, and it's over. You just give it half a chance, and you'll begin to forget it. And if you'll just spread those ashes out a little for me, I'll get the water to it. That's it. There's no skull there, darling. There is no skull there, Jenny. Darling, there's no skull Be able to catch a plane tonight? When we get into town, I will call Mr. Maurer. He'll arrange a midnight plane. But there'd be more time. Time for so many wonderful things. It's going to be all right. Of course. It's just me. 
Good evening, my dear. Mrs. Snow's hens thought you might like some fresh eggs for your breakfast in the morning. Hello, Eric. This is a surprise. Those hens labored mightily, as you can see. Fine, I'll take them. You'll excuse me, dear. What is it, Eric? I've got to take Jenny away. The hospital she was in before. It happened again? I thought it would help her if we got rid of that portrait. You know the one? Yes. Well, we burned it. She saw a skull in the ashes. You were there? I saw nothing, of course. Of course. And I thought it was Mickey. But when I was there myself and I saw... Mr. Snow, there's something I've never told you. I've never told anybody. But when Jenny was put away in that hospital, she tried to do away with herself. I'm terribly afraid. You think she might try it again? I know she will, unless I get her back to that hospital. When are you going? Tonight. We shall miss you. Mrs. Snow and I have grown very fond of Jenny. Yes, and she of you. I don't suppose you'll be coming back here again, Eric? No. Never. I'll miss him and his wife. He's very kind. Yes? When I said goodbye to him just now. He tried to talk me out of what I saw. Oh. He said he thought the skull was real. He's going to bring some men in the morning to search the estate. Where? Everywhere. He's just talking, trying to be kind. I suppose. I'll go upstairs and pack. You want to come with me? I'll be up in a minute. You must have. Where is it? I don't know. I don't know. Don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. I don't Where is it? I don't know. Tell me the truth. You took it. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Didn't take it. Didn't take it. Who? Who? Not me. Not me. Who? Mary. Mary took it. 
that he didn't see it when Jenny saw it. I know. Oh, but why should Eric lie like that? Mickey, those other times with the skull, did you do it? No. Mickey, you've never lied to me before. Lying is a sin. You understand that? You must not lie to me now. Did you do it, Mickey, all those other times? No. I simply do not understand that. If it wasn't Mickey... And it wasn't her imagination. But why would Eric do such a thing? I don't know. I just don't know. Well, what do you think we should do about it? We're going back there, to that house.
Jenny, are you all right? Oh, Jenny. Eric. Eric tried. Shh. Oh, Where I is Eric? Don't, don't. I don't know. I don't know. I'll find him. It's all right, Edward. Now be careful. I am your host, Justin, the ghoul man, Redman. And tonight, it's been about the aliens. It's been about NASA. And I know I forgot to do one story, but apparently, the Mars rover is making oxygen on Mars. No way, dude. We've got oxygen on Mars. Yeah. Oh, don't, don't, don't get too excited. According to NASA, it's only producing enough oxygen for a little dog. When you say little dog, how small are we talking? Oh, you know, probably little murder dog Chihuahua. Oh, yeah, the, the, that dog will burn through oxygen faster than we humans will. Well, that's what NASA's saying, at least. They can't admit to aliens, but hey, we're making oxygen on Mars. Check that out. NASA is really hitting them out of the park. I kind of agree with you there. I think they're really hitting them out of the park with that one. Uh, there's no need to really go in deep into that one because... We know the theories that will be out there like, no, nah, they're not really producing oxygen on Mars. They're not even on Mars. So we're, we're just going to leave that alone. That's a great little story to get into. But uh, I don't have a Kegel movie of the week. 
I thought I would, but the reason why I don't have a movie for the week is because I've been spending the last, oh, few days reading the book called The, uh, the Beast of Boggy Creek by Lyle Blackburn. If you listen to this show enough, you know how much I uh, respect Lyle Blackburn as a cryptozoologist. And uh, he, he's kind of the reason why I've started digging deeper into some of my other research. Uh, when it comes to looking for Rougarou, when I first started on my own, it was uh, hard to find anything. But when you start reading Lyle Blackburn, you start to understand some of the research methods, some of the things that he does to get the stories and to get out there. So he is very uh, knowledgeable when it comes to creatures. Uh so when we go to pursue more Rougarou stories or more investigations on the Honey Island Swamp Monster, we know where to go. We know how to uh, kind of get that foundation for our own investigations. So when it comes to the book, The Beast of Boggy Creek, it's one of three books that Lyle Blackburn has produced or written for the Falk Monster, you know, the place where the movie The Legend of Boggy Creek comes from. Uh... So there's a lot of stuff that goes there. And through reading the book, I discover about the the Falk Monster Festival they have every year. So I plan on attending in April of next year. I will be in Falk, Arkansas, looking around and having some fun meeting people. Now, the Kegel book of the week is The Beast of Boggy Creek. This book differs from Lyle's other books. While the other books focus a lot on sightings and... Uh, newspaper articles, and eyewitness accounts. The Beast of Boggy Creek gives you a good history of Felk, Arkansas. How it was founded, who founded it, what industry was in the area, what caused it to uh, to grow, what are the people like in Falk, Arkansas. And it kind of gives you the, the, the idea and the uh, possibility of a Bigfoot in Falk, Arkansas. Another section of the book that I like, uh, it took about a chapter or two on, was he focused on the movie The Legend of Boggy Creek, which is coming up for its 50th anniversary. Just ordered the Blu-ray for it, so maybe future Kegel horror film pick of the week. So uh, <laughs> keep your ears listening here to Frightening Tales for that. The other part of the book that I like is he spends some time debunking certain theories and trying to prove certain theories or give you a better case to believe such theories and how there could be a monster in that area. One of the things that uh, he really focused on was the remains that somebody found in the woods near Falk, Arkansas, which this is a pretty funny story to say. So Smokey Crabtree, which has, who has his own book, Smokey and the Falk Monster, which I just got, just got to spend some time reading it. Uh, as you can tell, I'm deep into investigating the Falk monster. But Smokey had this, this skeleton that was found by two other people. He made an arrangement to kind of show the skeleton, but keep it secret at the same time. Well, they've been trying to figure out what this skeleton is or what animals from it. Because when they found it, there was no head. So it was like... uh yeah, we don't know what this is, and it's certainly not as uh, evident like the aliens down in Mexico. But the big theory is that the remains are of a Siberian tiger. So how do you get from a skeleton of a Bigfoot to a tiger? 
Well, they analyzed the uh, the hands and the claws, and they resembled a lot like a cat's paw. So they did some digging. It turns out there was an exotic farm in the area where a tiger died. Well, the owner of the farm had the tiger stuffed. They hired a taxidermist who came out there, and he made the remains of the tiger, put in a tiger, and then tossed the bones and everything else out in the woods. Well, naturally, animals eat all the organs and all the other things up, leaving just the bones. Well, so that's the going theory is that it's not a Bigfoot, it's a Siberian tiger. Well, how can they not know it's a Siberian tiger? They got DNA, can't they match it? That's the problem, they haven't been able to match it, so it's just a working theory. But these are some of the things that you can expect to find in The Beast of Boggy Creek. It's a much thorough book than some of the other books that he wrote, where it just kind of focuses on short stories like Sinister Swamps, for example. He kind of takes a few legends from different areas that occur in the swamp to kind of elevate the southern Bigfoot. That seems to be Lyle's biggest mission is that, hey, look, Bigfoot is real and living down here in the south, too. It's not just over on the west coast. It's not over just in Kentucky. It's all over the country. And the southern Bigfoot needs a little bit of love, a little bit more respect. That's what I gather from reading Lyle's books, that Bigfoot needs a little bit more love. Now, when you get back into the Beast of Boggy Creek, I like that he gets in and interviews certain people. I like that he has met with the daughter of Charles Pierce, the director of The Legend of Boggy Creek. So there's been a lot of work into this book. He also has two other books. Uh, one that's detailed account of every sighting from 19-something to the present. So there, there's some fresh info, and then there's more digging deep into it. So the Boggy Creek monster is a very complicated and very amazing story and like i said it is serving the foundation for all investigations for burgers going forward uh it, it's been very eye-opening and something that people who really want to hunt monsters or become cryptozoologists really should get to know well that's going to conclude this episode of frightening tales if you have a lead, a story idea, or even your own personal scary stories, send me an email, kghoulradio at gmail.com. That's K-G-H-O-U-L radio at gmail.com. Join us next week for another episode of Frightening Tales, and October is going to be a month you want to check out because we're bringing you Frightomania! Yes, the WrestleMania of Frightening Tales in October. So we will see you next week here on Frightening Tales. Frightening Tales.